0: Hello, hello everyone. This is your host, Two Clever Mafia. You are listening to the Two Clever Mafia podcast once again. Hello, AJ, over in the sound booth. How are you today? That's great. Hello, listeners. How are you today? That's wonderful, wonderful. Welcome all my new listeners as well. Hopefully you'll become a mafia after today's episode because we we really are uh we, we love to have you. We love to have you, right, AJ? Yeah, we love to have all of our listeners here. Uh New old listeners doesn't matter. We we would we'll take them all. We'll take them any way we can get them, right? So this is the big one. This is what we all the hype has been building up to. And if you haven't read the news or you've been living under a rock somewhere, and uh, the, the big question nowadays is there's some talk about Facebook and Twitter crossing the line, and what that line is. The, they're crossing the line on censorship and what can be censored and what shouldn't be censored online considering their size and considering other factors as well. But there was this, I I wasn't going to do a podcast episode on this topic because here at the two clever mafia podcast, we want to bring you the facts and we wanted to make sure any information we brought you was, uh, was the facts and there's some of this stuff. It's a little hard to find out the facts, to be honest, unless you're going to fly to another country. So, you know, it's, it's kind of like the game telephone, right? Right. AJ. Yeah, so, but we've done enough research, and we are going to present the facts, and you can make your own opinion at the end. Um, but this is how it all started. So, uh, a few days ago, uh, one if one of if not the top podcaster in in the U.S. if not the world, uh, I know he recently signed a deal exclusive to Spotify. He he posted a tweet, and the tweet caught my eye. Yes, I do follow him on Twitter. Could follow us on Twitter at, uh, at Too Clever Mafia at T O O Clever Mafia, right? But Joe Rogan posted a tweet that caught my eye, and 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 the, it went like this: It said, "Facebook and Twitter." This, this was what he typed: "Facebook and Twitter crossed the line, far more dangerous than what they censor." And it was a repost from a, 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 an article uh, that was written by. a... a uh, a journalist named Glenn Greenwald. And the the article, you know, I clicked on it. I don't know why. I usually don't. But I clicked on the article and I started reading it. And I said, wow. And the more I read of the article, I said, this is a problem. Facebook and Twitter are, are not only are they almost too big to fail, and even though they're just a social media giant, they work off of advertising for the money for the most part. Um, And they have two completely separate ways that they, they, they work their businesses and we'll get into that in a little bit, but I I wanted to go over some points from this article. So, and and I'll put a link to the article as well. Hopefully it won't be knocked down. Um, But uh, you, you can read it for, you know, in its entirety, but some of the points that I pointed out I, I wanted to point out, and I figure I'd bring it to you so you don't have to do all the research and you can kind of make your opinions based on facts. So, you know, the election, the the, the presidential election in the United States, States is just a few weeks away. And, uh, you know, I, not real quick, AJ, I was thinking, you know, three months from now, we're going to look back and what are we going to think of the podcast that we're doing today about the election a few weeks from now? Is it going to be, you know, a nice smooth election with a clear cut winner? Are we still going to be deciding a president at that time? Who knows? Hopefully, you know, we'll have a peaceful transition of power, all of that. But either way, that's my hope. So the article starts talking about the New York Post. Now, the New York Post is one of the country's, United States' oldest and largest newspapers. It was founded back in 1801 by Alexander Hamilton. And only three U.S. newspapers are more widely circulated than the New York post and the New York post is, you know, it's a New York city newspaper. It's not like USA today. So, but ever since it was purchased back in 1976 by, um, um you may have heard the name by the media mogul, uh, Rupert Murdoch. Uh, it has been known, uh, that like most of, of Murdoch's owned newspapers, uh, for right wing tabloid sensationalism, um, and that um, it, it has some real reporters and editors and, and it and it's capable of, of reliable journalism though so the, the paper published on it, on the cover um what was was billed as a, as a as a blockbuster scoop a smoking gun right evidence in its in its words and form of, of email uh, that showed Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden uh, traded on his father's position by securing favors from then the vice president at the time uh, benefits from Ukraine energy company Burisma, which paid a lot of money to an un- unqualified Hunter Biden, which is clearly he was unqualified $50,000 a month to sit on the board. While the Biden campaign did, denies this now, that any such meetings of favor ever occurred, neither the campaign nor Hunter, at least of now, has you know they've denied the authenticity of these, of these emails. Now, the New York Post was hyping this story as some bombshell, you know, um, th- th- that it was going to be the 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 like I said, the smoking gun. You know while the emails, if they're authenticated, provide some new details and, and cooperation, you know, the board outlined, I mean, I guess I guess the broad outlines of of the story have have long been known. we th- this has been in the media back and forth, whether denied or not, that Hunter was paid a lot of money uh, by this barisma company, uh, and at the same time, his father was quite active in using. Uh, the force of the U.S. government supposedly to influence Ukraine's uh, internal affairs, right? Then this is all known stuff. So the Post explains how these documents were obtained uh, and and how they were obtained. It's crazy. You know, bizarre at best, as the article says. They claim that Hunter Biden indefinitely uh, left his laptop now containing the emails. Now, I don't leave my laptop anywhere. Actually, my laptop never leaves my office for the most part. But if it does, it's always with me, but I don't just leave it around, but supposedly or reportedly, however you want to put it, he leaves his laptop containing the emails in a repair store. So he takes it down to Best Buy, tries to get it fixed. The store owner was alarmed, okay, and it wasn't Best Buy, by the way, just just using that as an example. You know, the Geek Squad, they do a lot of fixing of computers and stuff, AJ. Right, right. Yeah, know I brought my, my iPhone over there to get it working right. It wasn't, uh, couldn't get my email, but they were very helpful. Very, very helpful. Go shop at Best Buy. So, but anyway, this little store owner, I guess it was a little mom and pop place, was alarmed by the corruption these emails revealed. And he gave the materials, uh, from the hard drive to the FBI and then to Rudy Giuliani. Now this is kind of strange if you think about it, but either way, m- must have not have been a good friend of this, this Biden family ran right over to the FBI because, yeah, you know, that's what I do. When I see corruption, I run right to the FBI, right? Now, while there's no proof that Biden followed through with any of Hunter's promises in Burisma, and, you know, there is no reason, at least as of now, to doubt that the emails are, are genuine. And if they are genuine, they at least add to what we already no, is it, it would be a relevant and newsworthy story involving the influence of of uh, or I guess involving influence peddling related to Hunter Biden's work in the Ukraine and his trading uh, using the name of his father, basically, to who's now the front runner in the 2020 presidential election. Act this time uh, to 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 get things that he wanted, and and that's no good. I mean that's corruption. I don't care how you define it. If that's truthful, that's corruption. you you, you can't you can't uh, deny that, right? So, but the post, um, with all of its power and influence, ran smack into two entities that were unbelievably more powerful than Alexander Hamilton had ever imagined it they would have faced. And those two entities, were Facebook and Twitter and almost immediately upon these uh, uh smoking gun articles being published uh the pro-Biden journalist created a climate for extreme hostility hostility and 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 suppression towards this post story making it clear that any journalist even mentioning it would be attacked would be would be attacked fully uh you know for the for the crime of simply not for 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 the crime of simply noting the story on Twitter. You know, while pointing out its flaws, of course. New York Times reporter Maggie Haberman was instantly vilified when she did this, uh, to a point where her name along with the phrase, uh, mag, Magma Haberman," uh, were trending on Twitter. And I saw this and I said, "What what's magma? I know magma is the Make America Great Again." Uh, but they automatically tagged her as it being bad for her to to be a supporter of the president of the United States. So the, these two Silicon giants uh, saw that the hostile climate uh, was was happening on their social media platforms, but Twitter and Facebook, right? So about two hours or so after the story was online, Facebook got involved you know they they just jumped out in front right aj yeah yeah the company uh dispatched a, a lifelong democratic party operative who now conveniently happens to work for for facebook andy stone previously a uh, communication operative for uh, democratic uh, senator barbara boxer and democratic congress uh, congressional campaign committee uh among other things uh came out and announced that Facebook was reducing the distribution of the article on on their platform. In other words, uh they were going to change their algorithms to suppress the ability for users to discuss and share this new article. And the 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 longtime Democratic Party official didn't try to hide his contempt for the article cuz obviously, you know, he's democratic and this wasn't supporting the democratic storyline at this point. And uh didn't try to hide it. And beginning uh, his censorship announcement by uh, 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 kind of, what they say, uh, uh, snidely noting uh, he will intentionally not link um, the story back to the New York Post. Now, this is the New York Post. This isn't some fly by night. You know, we talked Alexander Hamilton, you know, it's been around forever. So then Twitter jumped in. And you know, saw that remember Twitter's kind of the journalist. I I where about I said eighty six percent of journalists get their stories and from Twitter, which is I don't know. I guess not the way it used to be, where you yeah, you get on the beat and you go dig down a story with a notepad and a pencil. But so Twitter suppression efforts went far beyond Facebook's, however. They banned the entire they banned entirely all users' ability to share the post on of, of the article. I guess they can block you from sharing the articles. And not just their, their, on their public timelines, but even using the platform's private direct messaging feature so you can direct message somebody privately this article. And this is uh, this is some deep stuff, why they would do this. And I'll get to their, their rationale why they did it in a moment. But um, early in the day, users who attempted to link the New York Post story to either publicly or privately, like we were saying, the direct messaging, uh, they received some crazy message, they said, that rejected... Um, it was an error. It errored out. You know, later in the afternoon, Twitter uh, changed the message to advising the users that they couldn't post that link because the company judged it, uh, its contents to be potentially harmful, they called it. Potentially harmful. A New York Post article was potentially harmful. Like, who is Twitter and Facebook, just FYI, to really say this at all? You know, but either way. I'm just upset that they got involved in this to begin with whether factual or not. Uh I know AJ I got to stay calm. Trying to trying to stay calm here. So even more astonishing though was was that Twitter ended up locking the account of the New York Post. They shut down Twitter's their account of the New York Post. How is that not how is that not infringing? I mean the on the, the the freedom of the press and the free i mean really really how 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 is that even allowed you know if you're going to be a i mean i don't know maybe because they are a private platform they're not a government pr- platform like we talked about the freedoms you know but that's that's something that alone um you know banning the 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 newspaper a, a newspaper that's been around for you know, we're not talking about banning one of these tabloids that are on the, um, you know, the rack right before the supermarket. You're talking about banning an account from the, a New York Post, a, a reputable newspaper that's been around forever. Just because their view or, you know, again, we talked about Rupert Murdoch, but their view didn't necessarily meet the current view of of Silicon Valley and the Democrats who are funding them at all. That That's just. Whew, that's crazy stuff really it is but so in to sum it up i mean this can get crazy right but uh, so the two silicon silicon valley giants with with little explanation united in this instance to prevent the sharing of of disseminating information which may hurt or could hurt potentially if it i mean maybe not i guess the, the democratic party and and their nominee for president of the united states And the Los Angeles Times reporter, uh, I think it was Matt Pierce, he put it this way. He said, Facebook limiting distribution is a bit like if a company that owned the newspaper delivery trucks decided not to drive because it didn't like a story in that newspaper. So ultimately, does a truck company edit the newspaper? It does now, apparently. 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 So if you don't like what you're delivering, you're basically, you can just not deliver it. And that gets into a little bit of a, um, a sticky wicket, we'll say. We'll call it, we're we're going to call it a little bit of a, a, a sticky wicket here because there's something that my people might not be aware of. Back in 1996... You might have heard it, uh, congressman talking about it. it. might have shown up in the news here or there, but it's something called Section 230. It's a Communication Decency Act. And it was an act because the these social media companies were worried about getting sued and being liable for what they published, what their users published, right? And this is why, th- this is kind of, I feel, in a way, um, uh, I don't want to say a double-edged sword, but it doesn't make sense because back in, this act was it protected these online platforms and it's still good today. It needs to be redone in my opinion, but it's still good today, but it protected these online pra- platforms from their liability, um, uh, from the liability of their user posts and it allowed them to moderate those users content without being treated like a publisher. So in essence, they, whatever's on there, they can monetize it, make money from it, advertise, to people we talked about in our Facebook episode, they can, they can, Facebook can find, you know, kind of link up advertisers with consumers. They can do all that. So they know who wants what and when, but they are not liable for what their customers ultimately are posting. And they can moderate those users' content, but without being considered a publisher. That, think about that. Think about that. So they don't have to deliver the news. They, whatever news they see, they can only deliver what they want to. They're not liable for any of those posts on either way, whether it's political, novel, whatever it has to do with, but they can moderate it as well. So, I, I don't know. It, 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 especially since they make money out of this, I mean, this isn't some sort of charity case. This isn't some sort of not for profit, these companies. But uh, for them to be able to just do that, um, you know, we talked about free speech, but um, it goes without saying, you know, the, the, the constitutional guarantee restricts the actions of the governments, not private corporations such as Facebook and Twitter, but, you know, pointing this out, uh, you know, does not come close to resolving the controversy here. I mean, you know, the actions by these gigantic corporations and, are and you know, comparing it to, you know, our constitutional rights freedom of speech doesn't mean that they're not wrong to do this. You know, I mean, state censorship is is not the only kind of censorship. Private sector repression of speech and thought, particularly in, in this new Internet era, can be just as dangerous and consequential. Imagine, for instance, if two Silicon Valley giants, if these two Silicon Valley giants unified or united with Google, I mean, and they, they declared henceforth, we will ban all content that is critical of President Trump and or the Republican Party, but will actively promote criticisms of of Joe Biden and the Democrats. You know, would anybody encounter difficulty understanding why such a degree would constitute dangerous corporate censorship at a level that we've never seen before in this country? Would, would Democrats respond to such policy by simply shrugging it off on, on the radical libertarian ground that private corporations have the right to do whatever they want, to ask that question, is to answer it. You know, to begin, t- Twitter, and particularly Facebook, are not ordinary companies. You know, this isn't Joe's Pizzeria down the road, you know, who sells to the community and, you know, maybe makes a living barely with his pizza sales. These are conglomerates. You know, Facebook, as, as, as the owner, is not just of a, of a massive, as an owner, just not of just a massive social media platform, but is also, uh, you know, they provide other key communication services and have kind of gobbled up uh, you know they bought instagram and and the company whatsapp, which is like a messaging app like a, a text messaging app I guess you would call it right AJ is that a social media app okay and and one of the most powerful companies ever to exist if if not the most powerful you know you think Google is monstrous, but uh, Facebook has got every every subscriber everybody on there and in June uh, this past June it, the the, the House Judiciary Subcommittee on Antitrust, Commercial, and Administrative Law launched an investigation into the consolidation of power of Facebook and these three companies, Google, Amazon, even Apple. And uh, just last week, they issued a sweeping report, which uh, as, uh, you know, Facebook was basically outright, you know, they have a monopoly power in the market for social networking. And that power is is firmly entrenched in and unlikely to be eroded by any any competitive pressure. Nobody can come out and say, "Hey, you know what? We're Facebook, we're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna knock you off the the top of the mountain." It ain't gonna happen. Just not gonna happen. And you know, any from from anyone. At all due to to just the high entry barriers, including the strong network effects effects and the high technology costs and, you know, Facebook's significant data advantage that they have in the market, that it's all very discouraging to any direct competition. They might as well just let Facebook buy them until, you know, if I had a company that competed with Facebook, I'd be like, hey, buy me now because eventually the government's going to step in and say, hey, no more mergers, which, you know, Sometimes they do that, and it's a little bit too late. But uh, it just discourages any any competition, any competition. And we, you know, I wanted to talk about the rationale uh, a, a little bit of the two, real quick, and then uh, Twitter, Twitter's rationale for doing this, just to give them a fair shake. But the rationale offered by both Twitter and Facebook to justify their censorship's uh, just make it all of this more more alarming, not not less. I mean, Twitter claimed that the post article. Uh, violated its so-called hacked materials policy. What they're saying, you know, which they say permits commentary or discussion about hacked materials. Come on, come on. You know, such an article that covers uh, them, but uh, does not include a link to the material themselves. So in other words, Twitter allowed links to articles about hacked materials, but bans links to the images of the hacked materials themselves. If that makes sense. They, they just, they kind of contradicted themselves and the company added that their policy prohibits the use of services and distributes content obtained without authorization. Yeah. Like they haven't distributed stuff that wasn't authorized in the past, but because they said they don't want to incentivize, there's that key word incentivize because that's what they are. They're a marketing company, Uh, but they don't want to incentivize hacking. Uh, by allowing Twitter to be used as a distribution for possibly illegally obtained ma- materials. Wasn't there something with uh, the, the tax returns of the president that was leaked and they were obtained illegally? We know whether they're right or not, but weren't they obtained illegally and distributed? Yeah, I'm not going to say how I think that happened and what platform they were distributed on. Remember, Twitter is the 86% journalist platform. Uh, Facebook's rationale... Um, for suppressing the article, they said that um, they need to have it fact-checked, and uh, their fact-checking partners will verify the story before allowing it to spread, because you know they're like the butter knife of information. You know you don't want to spread that that vegetable oil spread on your your toast in the morning without Facebook saying if it's okay or not, because that's what we all want, right? We want Facebook to be the censor for our 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 spreading of our our morning. Uh, bread, toast, whatever you want. I, I know I'm just disappointed about all this, AJ. It's hard to, it's hard to digest. It really is that this is allowed these days. And, um, what's equally alarming is, is that, uh, what makes Zuckerberg's social media company, Facebook, um, you know, what, what makes them competent to fact check, you know, the work of, of journalists, real journalists. Well, who were they? They're a social media company. You you like, you, you post a recipe. i gotten some good recipes off of Facebook, but, you know, and why did Facebook block none of the endless stuff about Russia that happened a few years ago? I know he went in front of Congress and said it was a mistake and all this stuff, but there was all these conspiracy theories and whether, again, if you have facts, that's one thing. If you got hearsay or you got this happened, maybe you call those people in and you you, you get to the bottom of that story. And if there's no facts there, it's not, it's not a fact. You can't, you know, you can have your opinions, but that doesn't make it fact. And some of this stuff was just outright false that we heard. And regardless of where you stand on the political spectrum, it was false. So do we really want Facebook serving as some sort of uh, editor for our, our media and our journalism is it, uh, i don't think i don't think so deciding what information is suitable for american public to to read and which i mean th- th- this sounds like communism we should have a free press uh, granted they step over the line but this is developing because of what's happening because the the news reporters they're not reporting news they're putting their opinions into it that w- we need as a country, as all these media outlets need to get back to telling the facts. If they don't tell the facts, this is the kind of outside influences that are going to come in and remove any, you know, they're, they're censoring the news and the media. And I don't know. I I never thought I'd see the day. I never thought I'd see the day, but I guess it's been coming and right under our noses all this time, all this time. And if you know you have uh, I, don't, I don't know, I'm just uh, the American public uh, you know shouldn't have anything hidden from them. let them determine the facts, you know, g- present them out, let the, let them see you know the, the facts actually I you know, shouldn't let them determine present them from the facts. we shouldn't be presenting opinion or, or spec you know and you know, can anybody claim that Facebook's alleged fact-checking process is applied without any remote, cons- with any type of consistency? Like, what is their algorithm or their computer program? Or is there a real person monitoring billions and billions of users? I don't think so. I think they have a computer program that looks for certain things. That maybe they cross-check. May- and think of what they're doing with all the data. That's a whole nother episode. But, um, you know, are they They just, what if they miss a, a, a sketchy story or or you know, they find a a story that is factual and, and, you know, they just say it's unreliable. So they, they, they push it aside like, like they did with this deal dossier and, uh, you know, all these endless articles and all these conspiracy theories and, oh boy, oh boy. So this article was very good. It went on and on and very well written piece. And it just, it makes you think, it makes you think about, Hey, are we going to allow, you know, a newspaper founded in 1801 by Alexander Hamilton, you know, to, that's been around forever, their a social media account being shut down because the social media person censored it? A business, uh, you know, and these are huge, these are big, big tech. And we're going to talk about big tech after this, but, uh, pay attention folks if everybody doesn't pay attention soon all oh, you're gonna you know it's very very difficult to get a freedom back once it's been taken and if we're not going to absolutely demand that the news be the news and it to be fact and not to be you know if we if it's going to be displayed to us on a major platform like a Facebook or you know this is something that if you think about it i mean this goes back to and I know we've been talking about this a long time, but this goes back to, you know, the the, the oil barons, you know? You get the oil barons and, and, and the, the tycoons back in the day that wanted to overhaul the antitrust laws and just wanted to run everything. Imagine if we hadn't done that. Imagine if we hadn't done that. What are we going to do about it, folks? What are we going to do about it? We'll be right back after this short break. I gotta, I gotta go outside. I don't smoke, but I gotta go outside and take a walk, get some fresh air because uh, it's got me worked up. It's got me worked up. This is America, folks. We don't expect this type of uh, suppression of news, and, and we just we're not used to it, and it's being done right under our noses. We'll be right back.